epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Cranking it up here on the Hangtime Podcast. Seku Smith from the Hangtime Podcast. My main man, Lane Whitaker. Yo. Uh, n- normally in New York. Uh, you are not in New York. I am not in Atlanta at headquarters. I am on the road in Memphis. I believe you are in my old stomping grounds in Indianapolis. I am. Hopefully not getting in too much trouble. No, I'm I'm just trying to stay awake. I slept <laughs> about three hours last night. I had a pre-7 a.m. flight this morning out of uh, where was I? Washington, D.C. Uh, what are you uh, thinking? The best part is I get to the airport and I'm kind of stumbling around and go to the gate. And who's sitting there at the gate on my flight? Steve Smith. <laughs> so I got to hang out with Smitty for a while and catch up. Right. But, uh, yeah, now I'm in Indianapolis for a couple of days uh, for games three and four of Pacers Cavs. I just saw games one and two of Hawks Wizards. Right, right. What did you? Uh, what were your impressions of that series so far? I think the Wizards are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, just go skip over. You know, skip over everything and go straight to the Conference Finals. Huh? You remember last year? I told you like early on. I was like the Thunder. I I thought the Thunder were going to win the West after seeing them like in the first round last year. Right. Because I you saw like Stephen Adams was kind of making the leap, and I I thought it was all going to lay out for them perfectly. They came one game short. I almost called it. But uh, I, I think with the Wizards, I don't know. I feel like they're they, they're kind of hitting their stride at the right time, and they've in, in the way it's shaking out in the other half of the bracket for them. I mean, you know, Boston could get knocked out here in the first round, and then the Wizards would have to play Chicago, which I think they would right. match up pretty well for them to get to the conference finals. So, I, but I think Washington, I, they're they're I, I'm I'm high on them right now. Were you were you not as high on them before the playoffs started? Did you not think they were? necessarily a team that had conference finals chops or maybe not i mean i I picked them to beat the hawks um in the preview i thought i thought they'd beat the hawks i thought it would be more than i thought it'd probably be like six games so far they haven't seemed to have had much trouble with the hawks and maybe that's the hawks not being able to get out of their own way too right (laughs) in those first two games i don't know where the hawks go from here but the wizards seem like you know they've they've the thing that impresses me the most about them is being around them. Like, there's a genuine sense of teamwork and camaraderie, and they all like each other. It seems like, you know, regardless of what we've heard about Beal and Wall, the guy who I, I I've come to appreciate really is Markeith Morris. Yeah, you know, he's. Uh, I walked by the weight room last night about an hour before tip off. Mm-hmm. I heard loud trap music coming out of there, and I kind of peeked in. <laughs> Markeith was in there throwing some weights around, um, getting ready right. for the game. Uh, before game one, his brother Marcus was there wearing a Markeith jersey. Uh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> in the stands. 
And Marquise is clearly, you know, not afraid to mix it up and get maybe using a little MMA on Paul Millsap. <laughs> so are you convinced yet that, that John Wall has elevated himself into that conversation when we're talking about the best point guards in the league? He, I know he feels that way. And there are a lot of people who have watched him this season and feel like he's taken another step in his evolution. But I think as a leader, you know, if you look at the way he's leading that team, not just playing, but his leadership has really taken another step. What do you think about where John Wall sits? in the pecking order of point guards right now? I'd give him, I mean, I think athletically he's definitely in the, the elite group. I, I might put him like as a B-plus, maybe A-minus. I wouldn't, you know, give mm-hmm. him that A-plus quite yet. I mean, who who do you put in that top tier? Russ, Harden, who else? Steph. Yeah. You know, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a bigger list than people realize. Okay. Damian Lillard has to go in that, in that upper tier group of point guards. Maybe. I think John Wall belongs in it. Okay. You know, and then I think there's some other guys knocking on the door. Mike Conley, you know, and some of those guys are trying to to get into the group. The thing with the thing to me with Wall that keeps him out of being that uh, of like that A plus level is is the consistency on his jump shot. And you know, he's still not a he's not the he's level not a shooter. shooter. Not the, not but, the level of like a Harden and Curry. I mean, but who is you know? But right. But he's still he's not quite there, and he can still kind of go under on picks sometimes. But. One on one, nobody can stop him. I mean, Dennis Schroeder is one of the fastest dudes in the league, and, and Wall was just going right by him. So, yeah. And then when they were trying other things, you know, they put Ken Bazemore on him and to try to muscle him a little bit, and Wall was just breaking his ankles <laughs> left and right. I mean, <laughs> athletically, I, there's very. I mean, maybe Russ is in that category with him, but there's very few guys, I think, in that upper, upper, upper echelon at the point guard right. slot. Let me, let me uh, rephrase the question for you. Are there five point guards in basketball better than John Wall? Well, I would say Russ, Steph, Harden. After that, I don't know. Yeah, see, I don't think there are. I think he's in that. If you're in that top five at your position, that means you're in that elite group. Yeah. And I, and I think if each and every one of them has a deficiency, we could point to. Walls is his shot. Steph and Harden, I would say, is their defense. Russ, I'm not sure what his deficiency is, but I, there's a glitch in his matrix every now and then his where he, you know. Defense? He maybe plays off the rails a little bit, but you know if, uh-huh. if if John Wall's big, his big glaring deficiency is that he's not a great shooter. Yeah, at least that's something you can c- continue to work on and get better right. at. Yeah, you know, and he's so, still young. You know, I mean that's the I think it was he twenty five. Um, right, he came into the league so young. Yeah, I mean he's still oh, it's twenty six. I mean, he's still he's still a pretty young guy. So I I just I don't know I'm I'm, I'm high on the Wizards. I think they're gonna. They're they're kind of rounding into form at the right time, and they're they're about to get you know hopefully the next couple of games they get Jan Mahimi back, which gives them another post presence they can throw out there. Right. I, I also like that they kind of have these role players. You know, if you're only playing eight or nine deep in the postseason anyway, they have a good backup point guard in Brandon Jennings. They have a good backup wing guy in Kelly Oubre. They'll have Mahimi or or Jason Smith they can use. I mean, they, they they've kind of got these clear role guys that they can throw out there when they need them. So I, I I feel like the Wizards are it's a good time to be a Wizards fan. Yeah, we talked about these other point guards. Two the two biggest names we've talked about all season are squaring off in that three six series out west. And Russ is doing his thing. I mean, he put up a fifty one point thirteen assists, ten rebound, triple double in the game two, and they still lost. Yeah. <laughs> James Harden is doing what he does, which is orchestrating like a maestro and has the Rockets playing 
really, really well. Yeah. Is, this, is that series a referendum on the on the MVP race to you? Like a lot of people have kind of pointed out. That I don't it's, know. It's a chance to I see mean, these guys go head to head, and and you see the positives and negatives for both of them. I mean, the, the, I didn't see the game last night because I was writing a, a post game thing from the Hawks. I mean, it was on the TV six inches from my head, but I didn't really watch much of it. But the question I would have is if Russ puts up a you know fifty ten and ten whatever triple double and they still lose. I mean, to me that says as much about his teammates as it does about him. And it may, I mean, and maybe that makes a better case for him as the MVP. I, at this point, though, I mean, the votes are in. It, I, I don't know if it's going to – it can't really change anyone's mind unless it just gives them a chance on a larger stage to show what they can do. At the same time, I mean, we've been watching these dudes all year. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, if anything changes now. Has it changed your mind at all about the way these guys are being uh, – Looked at it doesn't change my mind, Lang, but it does kind of reaffirm the, the same thoughts I've had about both these guys all year. Said Russ, Russ had a season for the ages that was, you know, statistically out of this world, and yeah. the sheer will that he, you know, brings to the court every night is just jaw dropping. But it, even when you play like a maniac, and I mean maniac in a good way, it doesn't always translate for your team. It doesn't always mean that it's going to benefit your team the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. And I think that the series is kind of highlighted that James Harden doesn't have to play in a way that's going to be detrimental to his team would mm-hmm. shine a light on James Harden and just what a great player and season he's having. Whereas Russ has to get triple doubles. Yeah. He's got to go go crazy, mm-hmm. and it still might not be enough for his team to win. Yeah. Um I mean, it's Which is not kind of the way his season, you know, that's the way the, the Thunder's regular season was. Yeah, it's not that it might not be enough for his team to win. It, it, usually it's not enough for his team to win. I mean, he has right. to have that triple-double for them to win, we know. And I don't know. I mean, let's, let's see what happens when they go back to OKC. But it, for him to for him to have a chance, he has to play like he's been playing all year for, you know, 40-plus minutes. And, you know, I, I said it last week. To me, this is why Houston is like a dangerous playoff team because – that they can score points in bunches, and you can play them pretty well for 35, 40 minutes, but that other whatever time that's left over, they might get go off and hit you know, three threes in a minute or something like that, and, and they can just put up points in a way that very few other teams can. Uh, maybe the Warriors are the only other, other team that can score like that. So. Well, I'll tell you what's funny is like uh... – as much as this is a that series is about a showcase for James and Russ, it, to me it's also a chance for you to really lock in and focus on Eric Gordon and just how good he's been off the bench for the Rockets this year. Uh, it's, it's also a chance for you to look and 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 see what a good coach Mike D'Antoni is. I mean, yeah. his offensive stuff, as a lot of people tell you, is is really some of the best in the league. It's been copycatted all over the league. So you know, you, you get a you get a feel for just how good an offensive mind he is. And, it, and it, it also shines a light on the fact that for all that the Thunder built over those years with Durant, Russ, and Ibaka, in this league you're still as good as your star players. And yeah. when you don't have enough of them or when your star players have some, some glitches in their games that don't allow them to maybe, you know, lift the other guys up around them, it, 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 it shows itself in a, in a postseason setting. The playoffs, I always say, are so different because you're dealing with the same team night after night. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those cases where it's really showing up. Oklahoma City, you're right. We'll, we'll see how the series changes, you know, when the games go to Oklahoma City and if that makes a difference. But it certainly sticks out in my mind that it, that that's, that's a series that could be shorter than people expected because 
Houston yeah. might just be that much better than Oklahoma City is. Game Game three, Friday night at nine thirty on ESPN should be interesting. Game three of that that Hawks Wizards series we talked about earlier, Saturday at five thirty on TNT. I'll be I'll be back yep. in Atlanta covering games three and four of that series. I'll get a get a chance to take a bite out of that same piece of meat you've been chewing on for the last couple of games. So see if it look you know perspective is always interesting. We'll see how different it looks to me. And it did uh, to you, and kind of where it goes from there. I left some, uh, I left some hawks meat on the bone for you to uh, to go after. <laughs> oh, I'm already thinking about what I'm gonna write about. I'm, I'm gonna write about Dwight at some point over the yeah. course of the weekend. I mean, it's it's amazing to me the investment that was made in Dwight, and and just how little a factor he is. Obviously, you know, yeah. in, that, in the fourth quarter and at crunch time of those games. So I mean, he didn't play in the fourth quarter. I don't think last night, and uh, you know. It, Partly, I think it was you know when he did play, there was there was a there was, a, I think it was in the second quarter he had two shots blocked by Gortat. Yeah, you know, and in the first game he he it didn't seem like he had as big of an impact, but when you looked at the stats, I think he finished with a double double, and you know it was okay. In game two, it it was just a smaller game, and partly I think that was because Washington all those dudes got in foul trouble early, um, and Morris was out, and and. Uh, Otto Porter was out, and they had to use these lineups. It was like John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Brandon Jennings and go, like, really, really small, and, and Dwight just couldn't fit out there. But then in the fourth quarter, when the Hawks kind of made a little run and came back, Muscala was in there to close it out. So, as you said, there's a big investment made in him, and, and you know, how, how do you get your money's worth there? Like I said, I'll, I'll, have, uh, I'll have a chance to dig in a little bit on that this weekend. But there's another series that has even, I would argue, more drama than any other uh, for reasons that have nothing to do with basketball. Let's, let's get our man John Schumann on to, to talk about that Bull Celtic series and a little bit more. Fellas, what's up? Welcome to the Hangtime Phonecast. <laughs> yes. I'm, it's weird. I'm the, I'm, the one, I'm the one not traveling. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll be back on the road before you know it. You know, I mean, you you were into in Toronto, got a chance to watch that series, which has been more than interesting. But I was telling Lang, I think the most interesting series of all of them, for reasons that have nothing to do with the on the court, is is watching Boston deal with a situation, you know, with Isaiah Thomas's sister passing away on the eve of their opener, and just what kind of you know haymaker that's been for them as a group. And, and kind of ex- you've seen them exposed in this bowl series. You know, the size and the, the concerns you have about them not being a, a good rebounding team have kind of come out in full force in the series early on. Rajon Rondo's playing great. You know, Jimmy Butler's playing great. Robin Lopez looks like Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, I mean, Robin Lopez looks like Brooke Lopez with a beard. <laughs> I mean, what's... <laughs> What 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 is your what was your initial reaction to the way those first two games in that series played out? Well, I mean, it's you know, it's in it's in part it's not that surprising, right? The Bulls played well against good teams this year. They're just the the right. you know, obviously like the I don't know how to put it, but say that like they're the flakiest team in the league, you know. They were I think 13 and 12 against the nine worst teams in the league and then, you know, swept the the season series with the Cavs and Beat Golden State, beat San Antonio. I think they were two and one against Toronto. So I mean, they're a weird team, and you never know what to expect from them from night to night. And so it's somewhat unsurprised. You know, it's not a huge surprise that they're up to nothing. 
And especially like statistically, the Celtics are the worst number one seed since the late seventies. So right, um, right. it's not like we saw them. Oh, as the one seed, they're the, they're the favorite in the East. Uh, frankly, I thought one through four are fairly even in the East going into the playoffs. You know, I thought this, the conference semis were going to be fascinating if those four teams advanced because I thought they were fairly even. Um, but now, obviously, things have turned differently. So at the same time, while the Bulls, it's not too surprising to see them play well against a good team, it wouldn't be all that surprising to see them flake out and blow a 2-0 lead with games three and four at home. <laughs> uh, that, would be, that, that would be a disaster for Bulls fans who have been in agony all season watching them. I've covered some weird, strange, and odd events over the course of my career. I'm sure you guys have as well, but the circumstance that Isaiah Thomas is going through, man, is just something that, yeah. I, you know, the most unbelievable thing I can think of for for a guy who's had a renaissance to his career the way he has the last year and a half, for the Celtics to get the number one seed and then for his sister to pass away the way she did, basically the, the you know, 24 hours before they had to, suit up for game one, and then he goes out and plays in both games and plays well, really, when you look at what you would expect from a guy in that situation. What do you, what do you make of, of Isaiah Thomas and how he's handled this thing and, and how the Celtics have handled that situation? I mean, the one thing, frankly, I mean... Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, who are we to judge, like, how he's... like? Everybody goes through this, you know, we all right, deal right. with loss in our lives, and, like, everybody deals with it in a different way. And so, frankly, the game, you know, didn't matter really when you think about it in the bigger picture. I think it put us all in place as far as, you know, we were all gearing up for the playoffs and then something like that happens and it's like, hey, you know, here's real life. So, um, cool your jets as far as the importance of these playoffs and stuff like that. So, it, you know, I don't think we can, we can, from where we're standing, sort of judge him and how he's handled it, I think. You know, I, I guess he's handled it as, as well as anybody could expect. And frankly, I, I just stick to the basketball, you know, and, and so it's hard for me to, to look at that situation and, and, and give my give any real thought to it. The one thing I would say is, I mean, for so many people, uh, basketball players, you know, a lot of times basketball is sort of the sanctuary and the thing you can escape into. And hopefully for Isaiah, that's what it is. Um, it gives him a chance to, to kind of, take his mind off this tragic situation you know i i i don't i don't want to say that it's affected the celtics but it clearly isaiah i don't know how you could 100 percent compartmentalize something like that and and not have it affect you or your game or or whatever's going on i mean it's just a awful situation all the way around so yeah yeah to me you know and like i think john you nailed it you know everybody has been through life-changing events, you know, you lose someone, but very rarely are you forced or asked to do it in a context where you're, you know, you're on display at work and in front of right. all these people. I just, it struck me that, that he had to grieve publicly like that with a game, you know, with a game to play and games to play. And I don't, I don't know if there's a delicate way to look at it really. It's like you said, it, it puts the game and real life in, in such stark perspective for everybody. Um, and I and I, I sense that his teammates were were feeling that just watching their reactions. Certainly, after game one, you know you, you're mindful of the fact that hey, this guy's got something so much bigger than basketball going on right now. Yeah. How can you 
take the game and, and make that any more significant than it would be in a situation like that. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'll be curious to see how that series plays out and if whether or not the Celtics can, can get things turned around. It's a huge, huge opportunity, obviously, for the Bulls to go up 2-0 like that. You know, when's the last time a number eight seed has the you know has by far the best player in the series on their roster? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Jimmy to me, Jimmy Butler is clearly the best player on the floor in that series, and in the way he's playing, Rondo is not far behind right now. Um, yeah, but but game three There's Friday, been... seven o'clock There's... on ESPN, very very different series than what any of us expected when they started up. There's been more than one time in that series where I've seen Rondo. When they come down on on defense, and he kind of you know acts like he's guarding his man, but he's clearly just watching the ball, and then he'll just leave his guy and run over and steal the pass. You know, <laughs> like I mean, it's I mean he played for Brad Stevens, and he, clearly he still knows the plays because there's yeah. a couple times a game he's doing it. And it it's TNT slash playoff Rondo, and you know as long as these games still are on TNT, the Bulls have a chance. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any question, too, that Rondo has a little bit of yeah. rocket fuel in his shoes going against his former team. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, I think that's certainly got to be on his mind and kind of uh, something that he's playing, you know, playing up pretty well is, you know, going back to Boston and being able to put it to that, that team a little bit. Not because he, he's vindictive or anything, but just because that's what kind of competitor he is. Like yeah. He, you expect him to go out there and go after whoever they're playing, but especially one of his former teams. Um, shoot. The other, the other thing I'd say, like I watched the game, game two. That the thing that's interesting to me is the Bulls on offense. It's not like they're you know out there running some intricate cut and screen and pass. The one thing they're good at is they spread the floor out pretty wide, and then they just kind of make shots. But and they've made a lot of shots, but but they're not like you know running the most crisp offensive sets of anybody. No. Um, well, I mean, they, they make, they've also uh, rebounded almost forty percent of their misses. So I mean, that's yeah, right. I mean, they're just getting they're, they're just killing the Celtics on the glass. I mean, we knew that was an issue for the Celtics, and and Lopez is is obviously um, a, a, one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. You know, even you know the the Bulls took a step backward on the on the offensive glass when they traded Taj Gibson, but um, mm-hmm. obviously they they've been the best offensive rebounding team in the postseason so far. Yeah, still 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 dominant course in that regard against a team like Boston that struggled with their rebounding from from day one of this season. Um, Chu, what what kind of Schumann stat do you have for us after a few days of playoff basketball? Well, I mean, I, 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 I was in Toronto for games one and two of that series. I thought, I mean, it's kind of deja vu again for the, the Raptors in, in regard to losing game one. Not, not only in regard to losing game one, but just them trying to deal with an aggressive defense and, and how they adjust, you know, such, having such a guard-heavy offense and counting on Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan to play pick-and-roll basketball and keep the ball and score um, during the regular season. But now when teams trap them and, and trying to deal with that and adjust and those guys being willing to give up the ball and um, other guys on the Raptors being able to make plays – um, so one fascinating stat was in game one, the Raptors had zero secondary assists, which is, you know, hockey assists, you know, the pass that leads to the assist. Um, in game two, in the first half especially, they did a much better job of, of getting off the ball, those guys, you know, DeRozan coming off the screen and then quickly getting rid of the, rid of the ball and then the, the ball moving quickly to the open man, usually on the weak side. 
Um, and they shot much better as a result. But in game, so after game one, they, where they had zero secondary assists, in game two, they had 10. So that was the sort of fascinating uh, stat from that series that I was covering. And so I, I think it's still an adjustment. You know, we saw in the third and fourth quarters of that game, the Raptors sort of revert to their old habits and the ball just not move as quickly. And, and they allowed the Bucks to get back in the game. And the Bucks are dangerous, man. They are um, so long. And uh, Ansa DeCumpo is just so good. Um, they did a much better job in the second half of cutting him, cutting, cutting off the paint for him. Um, so he didn't, in, excuse me, in the second game of cutting off the paint. And so he didn't shoot as well, but he still, you know, made a huge impact on the glass, um, with his passing. Um, and that team is really good. And I, I think, um, Toronto's in, in a, in a lot of trouble because if you just looked at the last few minutes, that was a tight game. The Raptors hit some tough shots and the Bucks missed some open, wide open shots that could have turned the game around. So, I think even though the Raptors came back to win game two, I think uh, Milwaukee still thinks it has what it takes to uh, to beat this team, especially going home for three and four. Yeah. So one, you, one thing one thing I'd note is the one thing I noticed was you'd see DeRozan come off those like high screens and start rolling to the basket with the ball or driving to the basket, and the Bucks would show on the outside of the lane, and, and you could see the open Raptor in the far corner, but he just couldn't get the ball to him because those guys have such length. And they, you know, they, they can leave a guy open, but because Maker and, and Giannis and those guys, you, you can't throw a pass. Maybe that other teams you can get a pass across to the open guy, and, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that if you're Toronto. Yeah, they. I, I, I make jokes all the time about them being the Billy Knight All Stars, the Bucks. They're the longest and most athletic, lean team. I mean, even Chris Middleton, you know, who's nobody would confuse as being some superior athlete among his NBA peers is a long, lean dude who can, yeah. you know, get Even out. has got long arms, too. I mean, it's, they are, they yeah, are team I mean, wingspan, for sure. Full of guys that are, that are perfectly suited for that. You, so you give them a chance to pull that up, you? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, wow. I think they've been the better team through the first two games. Like I said, that game came down to the wire, and Brogdon missed a wide open three. It rattled in and out for the lead, yeah. and then on the next possession, Delavadova missed a wide open three uh, off a fantastic pay, uh, pass from Maker. You know, I, you know, we think of him as as a defensive player, but he made an incredible pass to get Delavadova that wide open three. He missed, and then Lowry came down and hit a tough shot for uh, for to, to sort of seal the game for Toronto. So, I, I, I from what I've seen, I like what the Bucks are doing better than what the Raptors are doing so far. Um, Toronto, I mean, they're talented and they can continue to hit tough shots to win games. Um, but just in, in, in the way it's rolled so far, I, I, I do like Milwaukee. Wow. And I mean, I, and I went into the playoffs thinking the Raptors were the most likely team to beat the Cavs. So who knows now? Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, the world has turned upside down a little bit in the Eastern conference. <laughs> I, I like it though. I like that the playoffs got off to a rather unpredictable start for a lot of teams. And, and there are a bunch of other series we haven't had a chance to talk about this week. I'm sure we'll we'll get into some more of whatever transpires on the, you know as these things go deeper and deeper next week. Um, Shu, you I don't know. Does anybody know their schedule? Maybe we'll all be in the same place next week. Sit down at a <laughs> nope, nope. Table some no. I'm going to be in Miami. <laughs> you going to be what? I'm in Miami. For what? They didn't make the playoffs? Exactly. Off-season workouts. <laughs> Got to start checking out, you know, check out on uh, Justice Winslow's recovery, you know. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> nice. 
Hey, it's glad to know you'll be working working hard next week, Langley. Hey, I'm doing four four games in eight days. I, I get a couple days off. Very nice. We'll enjoy Miami. Uh, Sue, we'll 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 track you down next week, man. We appreciate you hanging out on the uh, the first phone cast of 2017. We'll get our technical issues worked out. Get everybody on some uh, some quality equipment here. My my phone and, and raggedy headset might not be doing the trick when I'm on the road, so we might have to work on that. Uh, but we appreciate it, and we'll keep an eyeball on all these series. Around the around the league right now, I'm gonna see if David Fisdale can't uh, keep some money in his pocket while I'm here in Memphis, and uh, and then see if Lang's Hawks can't get up off the mat when I get back home for this weekend set between the, the Hawks and Wizards. Um, you boys, be safe on the road. We appreciate everybody joining us. Subscribe on iTunes and be sure to leave a glowing review. New episodes every Thursday of the Hang Time Podcast. We'll see you right here next week. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast and be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.